It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. For years they've been anticipating this moment. And the first pitch in Double Ray history will go directly to the Hall of Fame. Celebrating 25 years of Tampa Bay Rays baseball. This is the Tampa Bay Rays 25th Anniversary Podcast. 3,000 base hits for Wayne Boggs. And he hits a home run to do it. Host Neil Solons will be joined by members of the inaugural Hall of Fame class. Towards the alley, Crawford going over. Makes a headlong dive sensational flying catch in the alley for one away. We'll also honor the greatest teams, players, and moments in franchise history with special guests along the way. Longoria on the run. He gets there. The Rays are going to the postseason. Swinging a ground ball to second. This should do it. Aki has it. Takes it to second himself. This improbable season has another chapter to it. The Rays are going to the World Series. Swinging a fly ball to right field. He's going to get it. Ben Zobrist is there. And Matt Garza has no hit the Detroit Tigers. It can't happen again, can it? Swing and a drive down the right field line to the corner. It's gone. Are you kidding me? Dan Johnson with two strikes, two outs in the bottom of the ninth has just hit it out and the Rays are tied at seven. They're still light. Here it comes. Swing a line drive down the left field line towards the corner. This one, it's gone! It's gone! Evan Agoria has just hit the Rays to the American League wild card. All the way to the wall, it's gone! A home run for Mike Brasso and sweet justice in San Diego. Here's a swing and a drive, right center field. Back and it goes, bats to the wall. Get out of here, it's gone! It's a record-setting ninth home run this postseason for Randy Arozarena. Swing, line drive, right center. It's a base hit. Kiermaier around third. He scores the tying run. And now they've got a call between third and home. The ball gets away. And it's score Rosarena. The Rays have won. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, thanks so much for being with us. We haven't had a 25th anniversary podcast in a bit. Uh, in fact, since probably fairly early in the season, obviously the team on the field has done so well. Um, and we still have kind of been working through some of the changes with uh, our broadcast department. But I thought because this was, in essence, homecoming week uh, for so many former Rays, this was a good time to do one and kind of look back at more of the recent years of our 25th anniversary campaign and some of the uh, more recent successes. So on the podcast today, you're going to hear from Mike Brasso and Willie Adamas and Kevin Kiermeyer, obviously three players that really touched Rays fans uh, for what they did on the field and the people they were off it as well. Um, why don't we begin with Mike Brasso? Um, he had what you probably could call one of the best moments in franchise history with the homer he hit in 2020 off of Aldis Chapman. Uh, and we started by just welcoming the now Milwaukee Brewer back. Well, thank you, Neil. Always good to be back. Um, when you think of your time here, before we get into what I thought was really the most Ray-like moment, uh, what do you think of? What comes to mind? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, so many, obviously, memories pop up in your mind when you come back to here. But, um, yeah, just in general, like that 2020 postseason, um, you know, 2019 postseason was, was the first that 
you know, first year in the big leagues for me. And then we had a special group there and crazy wild card game there. And then I was lucky enough to, you know, we had the 2020 uh, postseason as well with everything happening in the world that year and kind of have a, a silver lining bright spot with the with the postseason. Um, yeah, it was just a ton of ton of really good lifelong memories that I got from Tampa. And obviously, I think Rays fans did, too. Got some special memories from you. I'm kind of curious now because you're getting used to playing with a pitch clock. How different would that at-bat have been, before we talk about the Araldis Chapman at-bat in great detail, how different would it have been if there were a clock for you and maybe for him? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I mean... I've never thought about that way. That's a really good question. It definitely would have had an effect in the at bat because uh, a lot of you know mental you know thought process was going on throughout the entire thing. So if I had to cut that down and maybe not have you know had so much time in between pitches to kind of analyze things, it might get, might have gone a different way. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I, I mean it's, a, it's it's something that I'd never thought about until you just brought it up right there. So yeah, good point. Or it might have gone. In his case, I mean, he's taking more time between pitches, too. Sometimes I think the clock helps a hitter because sometimes pitchers get worn out a little bit in a long at-bat. Yeah, definitely. That's another good point, too, is, you know, you have that time to kind of regroup, regather a little bit as a pitcher. Um, so, yeah, could, could have gone either way. Uh, but, you know, luckily we don't have to think about that. <laughs> I want to walk through the at-bat, if you don't mind. What do you remember as you were on deck waiting to hit just in that inning do you remember what you were thinking about yeah i mean my one to simplify the approach as, as much as i could I, I just remember the high heater I, I know that he's got me you know previous at bats i believe the night before i faced him in the ninth and he, he struck me out on um you know i think 100 at the top of the zone so that's the one pitch where you kind of you know go into that bat figure out the release point um and you know that that's a pitch that probably isn't going to go well in your favor. So um, try to see the release point low was, was the initial thought process. So the first pitch, um, if we get into it right here, was, like I said, we, we faced him last night. I faced him last night. It was the first time that I've seen him go back-to-back -back days. So first pitch out of the hand was, you know, try to see release point. Does he still have the velo today? What's he look like back-to-back -back days? Um, and it just turned out that that was probably the best pitch to hit that entire at bat. But like I said, it was, it was a tracking pitch, um, kind of see the release point and go from there. He went 20 some seconds before he threw the next one, and he went top of the zone again. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And uh, if you kind of look at the facial reaction after I swing at that to make it 0 2, it was kind of one of those things where it was. Uh, you know, that's the idea that I didn't want to happen, and and unfortunately, I, I went away from my plan and kind of diverted from diverted from the plan a little bit. So that's a one of your points was uh, if there was a time clock, I might not have had so much time to kind of regroup and, and refocus a little bit and kind of lock it re back in. Um, but that was the point where you know I didn't want to do it initially, but now that I saw where that release point was for that high heater, I know that. Uh, you know, can't make that mistake again. And then he follows it up with some off-speeds after that. Yeah, were you surprised he went with his off-speed away? I think that was one of the few times it was a change-up? Uh, yeah, I think it was that new split that he was kind of working on uh, that year. Um, I think that was the first year that he brought that out. Um, but, yeah, I, I was, you know, I, taking your homework um, and previous at-bats I've had against him, he always has kind of gone to that uh, – the off speed a little bit later as kind of a wipeout pitch. Um, so not that I was sitting on it because obviously you have to respect the the velo and you know the release point and he releases it so far. You know his extension is unbelievable. So you had that with the velo. Um, you really 
you have no other choice but to be on time for the heater. So you have the off speed in the back of your mind, but you're still on time for the heater. And then you laid off a high fastball that right. time to get even. Right, yeah, and obviously it was a little bit higher, uh, more chest to chin height, but at the same point, like, that is the release. Like, out of the hand, that was that was a easier take just because of where, you know, I had my sight set up. So you're four pitches in, and now you fight off what looked like a slider on the hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just as simple as, you know, like I said, being on time for the heater. You see the release point down. You recognize that it's an off-speed uh, as it travels closer to you, and, and you're trying to just react and stay alive at that point. Because that was, I mean, that was a 2-2. Like that was a back-foot slider. You're really not going to be doing that much, and when you have to be on time for that heater, um, yeah, you're just trying to get to the next pitch because that's, yeah, you're not going to do much with that. Do you remember... The, do you think about September at all when you're in the on-deck circle? Or is at any point in that bat, does it enter your mind? Um, not as far as, like, it, this the storyline, I guess, kind of bring you, you you have that in your head. And obviously, like you said, I, you, you remember the moments of, of when you're facing, you know, different pitchers. Like, you remember kind of, like, I, I say it a lot, but I try to do a lot of my homework on how pitchers attacked me previously, what's their out pitch. So yeah, you remember you know kind of what happens in previous at bats, um, but I, I, you don't take that into the situation. Obviously, a situation like this, you know that you know it's going to be two competitors going at each other. So you fought off ninety nine. He's taken a lot of time between pitches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's a pretty lengthy at bat. I think I don't like ten ten pitches or something like that. But definitely more time in between pitches. Uh, the shot clock would definitely have. Now that you bring that up, the shot clock would have definitely shifted this at bat in one way or the other. All right, he misses 101 in. Mm-hmm. Did you even have a thought of pull, trying to pull the trigger on that, or, or you saw it uh, in or just hoping it's in? Yeah, the, I, I think I saw that one pretty good, honestly. it was. Uh, you can kind of go back and forth where, like, some people might say that I kind of got froze there. Um, I don't know. From the left side, uh, as a righty, you kind of see, you know, the trajectory a little bit easier. It's still 101, so it's not like you have too much time to really process it anyway, but... Um, I do remember seeing that pitch fairly well, and yeah, luckily it ended up uh, behind, you know, on the you know, off the plate like I was hoping it would. You get from 0-2 to 3-2. What are you trying to do there? Because you just, I mean, you you almost hit home run distance on on the breaking ball on, on pitch number seven. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said before, the the entire at bat's staying on time for that heater. Uh, that's that's his bread and butter. That pitch right there that you're talking about. Uh, that's as simple as being on time with here and catching the slider up front. It's uh, it's just a velo difference there. Um, but at that point, after that kind of happened, I knew that pitchers really don't like seeing long foul balls off certain pitches. So that from here on out, it was kind of more of a mental, like, all right, now we're really geared up for the heater, like get your foot down um, type thing because he doesn't want to hang that slider again and have the hands get kept in a little bit longer and keep that fair. So at the, from this point on, it was strictly heater in my mind. So you fouled one straight back. Did you feel at that point I've got him? Yeah, I think that was the point where I was, I think this is the pitch that he's going to for the rest of that bat. He doesn't want to walk the, the potential winning run, put him on first base. Um, so I kind of just, I thought this was the point where I, I was feeling better with the timing with the heater and knew that I was more locked in, not kind of in the middle between his off speeds and heater. And yeah, and kind of just a couple pitches later, I got on time for another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, there's no crowd because it is 2020. Do you remember hearing your dugout as you're? Do you are you floating around the bases? What do you remember? Yeah, the, I I it felt like there was 50,000 people. I just like it, I, I know there wasn't any crowd noise or you know we had the fake crowd noise, but I heard the dugout. Um, 
obviously I, I knew what was waiting for me when I was running the bases as far as, you know, my dugout and the celebration I would kind of be walking back into. But, yeah, it, it was a combination of everything, man. It was every emotion you could possibly feel. It was, uh, yeah, it was definitely something that uh, is pretty special. And looking back at the video right now, it kind of brings a smile. So, yeah, it's, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing that happened. <laughs> yeah. When you reflect on that, was that the best moment that you've had to this point of your big league career? I think so, man. I think, I think, yeah, that one's going to be a tough one to beat. Hopefully there's more chapters written in, in my book before my career is over. But I think when you, when you kind of funnel everything that happened in that 2020 season and what happened in the world and what happened during, you know, the two teams and, you know, unfortunately, like what happened with, between the two players, you know, and, and previously in the, in the season, uh, to funnel it down to, you know, elimination game in a postseason, um, you know, last, last inning or eighth inning at bat, um, yeah, I mean it's that's, I mean that's got you know what they say the storybook the story storybook writing so it's it's gonna be a tough one to beat. When we call it a quintessential Ray moment because the Rays are constantly seen nationally as the underdog team, and as a guy who was a free agent coming out of college, you were an underdog player, and the moment where the talent just shows and beats the big the big dog so to speak. He was the highest paid one of the highest relief pitchers in the game. Do you see it that way in some ways that you could understand why it's considered that big a moment for this franchise? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's hard not to see it. And when you put it in that perspective, um, he's, I think still to this day, uh, still one of the best closers, best relief pitchers, um, you know, of all time, honestly. I mean, it's, it's tough to, tough to beat a guy like that. Um, so yeah, when, when you have like what you, what you mentioned, uh, you know, where I came from as a free agent compared to, you know, him having one of the larger you know, relief pitching contracts of all time. Uh, you know, Yankees kind of history compared to the Rays, and yeah, you can see you can see the underdog and you know David or Goliath or whatever type you know mech, you know saying you want to throw out there. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll take that. I'll take that label as stride. Honestly, I have no problem with that. Have you ever spoken with him? I have never spoken. No, uh, we we've given each other a, a mutual head nod. I think um, so. There, there's no bad blood. Um, I think when it's all said and done, it's just uh, two competitors that, that just got caught up in, in maybe the moment. And like you mentioned, September um, early on in the season, and then you know when when it's all boiled down to the very basics and butts and nuts, bolts and nuts of it, it's just that you know, postseason baseball is unlike any other sport in my opinion. I think that's what makes baseball best sport in the world um and you just see two two mono mono pitcher versus hitter um let the best man win well you did and we're glad that you had that great moment and i hope there are many great moments for you going forward we appreciate some time on our special 25th anniversary podcast thanks Neil. i appreciate you having me on man always this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Really good stuff from Mike Brasso and really appreciated the time that he took to walk us through uh, that at bat almost in real time uh, from the 2020 season with Araldis Chapman and, and some uh, interesting answers that he provided on that and wishing him a lot of success going forward. Now, he obviously is teammates with Willie Adamas, who was, I think, one of the, the leaders of uh, the the teams that uh, went to the postseason in 19 and 20 in that World Series year of the pandemic campaign. And obviously he's been very successful since going to Milwaukee. And I asked Willie Adamas what memories flow back when he comes back to Tropicana Field. Yeah, there's just so many memories uh, and so many like mixed feelings when I come to this place. But I mean, every time I come in, it's like I mean, my debut and like I just... Like I really don't think about all the baseball memories. It's just like it just feels so good seeing the the guys, you know, like everybody, the staff, like the clubhouse staff, the boys, and you know, the coaches, everybody here, even the people that work here in the stadium. They always like, and you know, it's always amazing to to come back. Do you uh, does this feel like home to you in a way? It, it, it does. It does. I t- I think I said that yesterday. Every time, I mean, since we landed here on. Wednesday night, it was just that feeling of like, oh my God, I, I came back home. Like it, that's how it feels every time I come here. It's, it feels like home. Who are you still close to? Uh, I think I'm uh, the closest with Margot and Randy and Glasnow. I feel like I talk to them the most of the whole team. Do you think in Margot's case it was because of the pandemic that that brought you so much closer? You had to room with him during, you roomed with him that entire time? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we spent those three months together doing everything together for, you know, every day for three months. And and that really brought us, like, super, super close. And, you know, he's such a great guy. I mean, he had, has a beautiful heart and, you know, he's always trying to take care of everybody. So, like, he's, you know. We are like really, really close. And I would assume with Randy, it was that whole playoff run. Yes, I mean it was the same year. I mean we, you know, when we went to San Diego, we were every day doing everything together too. So like it was just us three going everywhere together. And Glass, how how did the two of you guys connect? Because that's what I thought was so unique about this group is the pitchers and the position players seem to have that connection too. Yeah, I mean you know Glass, no, uh, his personality I think is kind of similar to mine and. You know, off the field, we hang out a lot. Even the, we went to the uh, Matt Duffy wedding this past off season, and we saw each other there. And it was like, oh my God, like you know, like what's up, brother? Like how you feeling? And we kind of connect again. But like off the field, we hang out a couple times. Every time that I'm here, like he's that's a scene in the off season. So we always stay in touch. I want to go through a couple big moments for, with you. First, I, I watched the Mike Brasso at bat against Chapman with with Bross on YouTube and I see you clapping in the dugout during that you're right at the top step and that's what I think of with Willie Adamas even when he's not playing or when he's not in the field or in in uh, in the in the batter's box he's always you know supportive and 
you yeah i mean you know that's that's the way i am you know i, I always rooting for my teammates i want them to to do great and with him uh he told me that day he said hey you're gonna do great something you're gonna do something great today and i was like no brother you're gonna do something great today so for me to see that that at bat and like the way he fought that at bat and then he came he came more clutch with that homer so it was just an amazing an amazing moment for for him and for us as a team so i was just happy for him you had a lot of team moments where did that one rank up for you because kevin cash called it the best moment he'd seen on a baseball field just because of everything that led up to it i think it's right there i think it's i gotta give it like top, top three top two but it's it's up there for sure what are the other ones that stick out for you? Was it the final out of the ALCS to go to the World Series? Was it the Randy Rosarena Brett Phillips play? What are the moments that stick out then that that rank up right there? Uh, I think the the the, the out twenty seven out for to go to the World Series. I think that's that's the best moment. That I, that's my best memory, you know, because that's the dream come through. So for us to realize that we were going to the World Series, I think that was the best moment. So it ranked right there with Brussels Homer. And to do that without crowd, without the, in in that weird environment, uh, Bross told me when he hit the home run, he almost felt like there were 50,000 people there. Did you feel the same way, even though you played without a crowd until the World Series? <laughs> yeah, I mean, those moments, the intensity of those games were like so high that that you didn't even realize that you were playing along, you know, just with the other teams. So like, and that that atmosphere just just like with the intensity of the game it's like you don't even feel that there's no fans so like for you it's just like you're so into the game that you don't realize that there's no fan so I think he was right there are two other moments I want to hit on the relay in the Houston series here can you walk me through that and what that throw and that whole play meant to you and I still see it sometimes and you know highlights and stuff and it still like gives me goosebumps like it, it was just uh, that was that was one of the best moments that I ever been part of. Like one, probably the best play that I've I've been part of. And you know, uh, it's, it was just amazing. You know, everything was perfect. You know, Kiermaier throw, the way he, you know, he was waiting for the ball bounce um, of the of the wall, and then he made that perfect throw to me. And then, you know, the tag uh, to Darno. Like he, it was just an F, like you had to do a perfect play to get a two way out like that. And then you brought up your debut, hitting a homer against Chris Sale in your debut game. Can you walk us through what that day was like and, and what that still, memories it still gives you? Yeah, I mean, that's still still unbelievable. That's still an unbelievable feeling. I mean, that day was crazy. And you know everything that happened that day. I mean, I missed the flight. Then my other flight was delayed. Then we had to fly around time. But because there was a storm, that barely made it on time. So, like, for me, hitting that homer, against Chris Zell too, like it was just, like I was running the basin and now I was floating, like I didn't even believe it, you know, I was, I, was, I felt like I was in the air <laughs> running the bases, so it was just uh, one of the best moments in my, in, my, in my entire life. I think for most people, they'd love to see these two teams meet up in a World Series. What would that team, what would that mean to you? I mean, it would be, I think it would mean the world. I mean, obviously, sharing the field with my former team and like my former teammates, I mean, competing against them, and, you know, seeing the other, I mean, seeing Kevin Cash and his staff, I mean, I think it would be be a perfect, uh, uh, I'll say a perfect uh, a scenario for, for, for me and like, I feel like for Brussels too. And, and I think the other thing that stands out, do you still follow this group even when you're not 
playing against them as you did in the series over this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I still talk to Manny a lot, and we talk about the team, and I told them, you know, that they were they're killing it this year. So, you know, obviously, you know, I'm really proud of what they're doing right now and, you know, how the guys are playing. I mean, Brandy's playing amazing. Franco's doing amazing. Uh, uh, Yandy is doing amazing. So, like, all the boys are, you know, grinding and, and playing well, and, like, you know, they always... Uh, try to help each other so like I'm always following and I'm always you know I mean I want them to do good. Well, we're watching and rooting for you to do well too. Thanks for a few minutes. Yeah, thank you Neil. Thank you for having me. Always great to chat with Willie Adamas. Certainly a joy to speak with and wishing him a lot of success going forward and probably similar to Kevin Kiermeyer, who was a big part of the franchise. Different in that KK was here a bit longer and his first appearance in the big leagues was for a team that made the playoffs in 2013. So he went from the end of that era, the 08 to 13 period, to the rebuild, to getting back to the postseason, and certainly was a face of the franchise for several seasons too. And similar to Willie Adamas, I asked KK what comes to mind when he comes back to this ballpark. Uh, definitely, you know, different. Different walking past our home clubhouse and keep going to the visiting side. Um, and I, I knew... I knew when that day came, which, you know, was yesterday for me. It was just one of those things like, man, never I knew it was going to be different. But once you do it, you're just like, wow, you know, this is this is weird. I know everything here all too well. You know, a, a particular way being on the home side over there, wearing the rays across my chest. And now, uh, you know, knowing the circumstances, it, it is what it is. And um, but when I when I get here, you know my drive, like my drive to the field. I've, I've done it so many times, and yesterday I was thrilled to do it again today. Um, you know, I know nothing. Like this is all I knew for my whole career until this year. So uh, a lot of nostalgia going on, obviously. Uh, but I think you know, just about all the the great memories, the great relationships, friendships I've made over here and uh, I always say you know I loved running out of that dugout and taking the field each and every time I was able to throughout my whole career I got an adrenaline rush like no other um, and I <clears throat> I loved it those are you know there's so many things here that I'll never forget and uh, always cherish you know all the opportunities and everything that came my way throughout the whole time we had Previously on the homestand, Willie Adamas and Mike Brasso with us. Can you walk us through your perspective of the relay, first of all, since that was as many good defensive plays as you were involved with, that was probably right up there for a lot of reasons. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> ALDS, I mean, that was game three or four. I, th- I might have. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that was an uh, incredible moment. Remember Yarborough's pitching, Jordan Alvarez was a hitter, saw it off the bat, knew I was going to have to play the carom and, and try to make a throw home and I remember that ball was just up there forever it seemed like it took forever to get to me and I knew when I made a, a good strong accurate throw to Willie I knew what his arm was capable of on the last half of that play and he uh, you know made one of the best probably the best throw of his career I would imagine I mean Altuve running have no room for air whatsoever uh, couldn't delay any longer it was just a, a a picture perfect play and a relay that uh, you know I was very proud of at the time and still when I see highlights of it I remember the crowd's reaction um, you know you get a standing ovation from a crowd and a huge play in the playoffs that's that's what you play for I still remember in that series too the three-run homer you yep. hit and how the place yeah. exploded yeah that was uh, 
That was incredible. And someone was asking me uh, yesterday. They said, "Hey, is this this place gets loud?" I said, "Oh yeah, it, it can get it can get very loud. You know, indoors the sound has nowhere to go." And I remember when I did hit that three-run homer um, off Zach Granke, Game Three, 2019. I uh, I had a lot of people tell me that was one of the loudest moments they've ever heard uh, here in this building, if not the loudest. And Certainly, just to be in that conversation, to you know me, how how much I love this organization. I'm proud to be a part of of those moments, and um, you know, had plenty like that throughout my whole career. And anytime you can, you know, I, I love displaying my talents for fans, players, whoever wants to see. I just always try to go out there and and uh, you know make some exciting plays, and that's what I love to do. And, and fortunately, was able to be you know, part of, of many over the years. And enjoy the place of others, too. Of 2020, there were no fans, but the Mike Brasso moment, oh. what was? What do you remember about your perspective where you were watching it with no fans and the intensity of that moment? Best uh, best moment of my career, not even, not even close. I mean, uh, I can't even go with any personal accolade I've ever received. Uh, that was, that takes the cake. Brasso hitting that homer off Chapman in San Diego in the eighth inning. Nothing, nothing like it, man. I mean, that was incredible. Uh, just a, a moment of adrenaline that was just unmatched excitement. Um, you know, given the circumstances of, of the history we had with them, especially at that time. Uh, and and I'm I'm ha I'm okay with that. You know, you'd think like it'd be a moment of mine. No, I I always said I live vicariously through my teammates so many times throughout my whole career, and and that certainly that was the moment that that took the cake. And um, you know, I hope maybe one day we can we can top that moment, but it, it's going to be tough. I mean, that that was truly incredible with no fans. I mean, that that whole COVID year that just lets you, like you go like it showed the people you go out for the love of the game. Yeah, you know we're. We're playing in, in front of no one, but you still got to go up and, and show up to play. And that was the most, some of the most fun I've ever had playing baseball during the, the COVID season. Andy and I have talked about that being almost like the quintessential Ray moment yep. because it was an underdog moment. Yep. Just like you, you're a 31st round pick. Mm -hmm. He's a non-drafted free agent. Chapman is the big name closer with yep. the big money contract. Yep. And to beat that kind of team, as much as you guys were really, really talented, it, it kind of resonates for that reason. Yep. And I, I said for so many years, I said, look, we don't have a whole lot of household names on our team, and I'm not, uh, that's not disrespecting it. It's just we're, we're a small market team. We always always have been, and, and, you know, foreseeable future, I don't think anything will change. But I said at the same time, you know, these non, like, no, no household names, like, we have a ton of quality above average players that not a whole lot of people know about but they, they will soon know about them before too long and and we just tried to instill the message each and every day fellas let's come in the field let's root for each other do whatever we can to win and that's what I always tried to explain to the guys and uh, you know we won at a, a very good pace ever since like especially 2018 90 90 wins and 2019 96 wins and uh, you know the seasons after that were incredible to be a part of so I'm, I'm proud of of what we created over the years and and certainly you know they're they're off to a great start again this year and and I'm happy for them you know they they deserve it and uh, a ton of good players of their great coaching staff and uh, always you know even from the outside looking in now I hope the winning way is always there 
to stay because I will love uh, this organization, each and every one over there forever. I mean, they, they gave me the world, and uh, how could I not, you know, always have love for everyone over here? You were the one guy who was there at the end of the Madden era, meaning the 13, the last playoff team there, and got to see the next era, in essence, under Kevin. Did that make you appreciate everything that more when your first step into the big leagues is basically in a postseason and then you had to work to get back there yeah. for a few years? Oh, man, they, they created a monster. Me, uh, my first two days in the big leagues popping champagne. I am so – that is one of the uh, biggest blessings I've had in my career. I got a taste of that right away in, in the big leagues. Um, and that, that just that set the bar so high for me. So for me, not going to the playoffs from 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, it was too long to wait. And, uh, you know, finally we, we got our foot in the door in 19 and, and uh, you know, got our confidence going. Like I said, the, the following seasons after that, we all made the playoffs as well. And uh, that's what that's what you play for. We're all trying to go make a living and, and put a great product on the field. But you play for October and to hopefully advance as, as far as you can and pop champagne as many times along the way. That that's what I play for. And um, you know that that uh, like I said, that's the message I always display to the guys. This, and when we get to the playoffs and you have those moments, fellas, this is why we do what we do in the off season, spring training, grind through this long season for this moment right here to thrive in the playoffs when the lights are the brightest. This is what it's all about. Well, you grew up so much in this organization from a single guy to a, to a married man, to a family. Where did you grow the most as a person? Do you think forget the baseball? Uh, yeah, I, I came here as a, my rookie year, 2014 as a 24 year old, just trying to, figure out where my life was going to go with baseball and I said I'm never I'm not going to fall in love I'm not going to commit to anyone until I become an established everyday player in the big leagues and I wasn't going to let anyone tell me that I wasn't going to do that that's what I worked for each and every day and then um, you know year year or so later 2015 came across this beautiful beautiful girl who changed my life changed everything about me and you know, that girl is, is my wife, who's the mother of my kids, and, um, you know, one of the best things that's ever happened to me. So I look back, you know, 2014, young, single, Kevin Kier, only worrying about myself, and then coming back here as a 33-year-old. I got a family now, um, well into my major league career. Don't know how much I have to go, but I, I come back here, and I just can't think of, uh, you know, what a fun ride it's been. I, I've loved every every step of the way, all the, the good moments, the bad moments, I've, you know, just try to sustain throughout. Uh, once, I mean, the Rays, they gave me the world. I, I so many times can't believe my life is what it is, but I like to think I, you know, create a lot of opportunities for myself um, and, and take advantage of them as well. That's what life's all about, taking advantage of opportunities. And, and the Rays gave me a life that I never thought would ever be possible, but, um, I always feel like the luckiest man in the world. We appreciate all the memories you've given us, and we certainly appreciate your time as well. KK, thanks for a few minutes. All right. Thank you, Neil. Really appreciate the time of one Kevin Kiermeyer and Mike Brasso and Willie Adamas, all for being on the podcast today. And we will have other 25th anniversary podcasts during the course of the season. Certainly uh, hope to have a, a sit-down at some point uh, with the 
incoming Hall of Fame class members, Wade Boggs and Carl Crawford, and hopefully uh, Fred McGriff at some point this year as he goes into the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. And we'll have other stuff along the way, too. Thanks so much for listening with us, and uh, we will chat with you soon.